The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 141. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how are you doing tonight? Doing, uh, I don't know how I'm doing. It's really kind of like a weird time here where things are happening, but also not happening at the same time where my wife is supposed to be going back to work but isn't and we're not sure if that's good or bad it seems bad but anyways it's all kind everything is in flux right now everything is happening all at once it seems so it seems hectic over there is what i'm getting um yeah yeah hectic and not that's the thing right because we're still at home just like hanging out and having a bunch of time to do stuff it's just anyways yeah so it is it isn't it's just a very strange time well what about you yeah i'm kind of with you i i've recently lost track of how long this has been a thing and I haven't been able to figure it out for the last couple of days. And I know I probably could just go back and look and count, but I don't want to do that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's 46 days, but yeah, I don't want to go in like one, two, three. It's a lot. It's just a lot. So a little over six weeks. Uh, I'm like slowly that, yeah. losing my mind day by day. It's Some days are getting to me, Mitch. Yeah, no, for sure. Some days would definitely get to you, but things are, are, are looking up, right? Everywhere and everywhere. Hopefully, yes, absolutely. That is definitely a positive to take from this. And speaking of the numbers getting better, well, first we should get an addition, and then we'll get into that, Mitch. What addition do you got for us? Well, I'm not going to tell you what edition it is because, again, we're still playing that game. So uh, yeah. um, at the end of the show or near the end of the show, before we get into our social segment where we wrap up everything that's happened uh, on uh, on social media or, or most of what has happened on social media or the things that we want to talk about when it comes to True. social media. There we go. Um We'll have a little quiz, have some fun, where you try to guess the name of the player that I'm looking for, and you have five chances to get it, or five guesses that will reveal this player's name, and they get progressively easier as you go along. Uh, I think it's a lot of fun. It starts off really hard. I usually just start with the player's birth date, and that usually doesn't tell a lot unless you were born on that day. So. Yeah, and then question number two is like, he has brown eyes. That's right, correct. <laughs> So for me, it would he has different colored eyes, and then boom, you'd get it right away. David Bowie. <laughs> there you go. I would have went Max Scherzer, but that's fair. <laughs> All right, sure. Anyways, so yeah. Later, more on this player who we will uh, dedicate the addition to later. All right, awesome. So the NHL is coming up with a bunch of different plans, or there's rumors on different plans to get back. And I think we want to talk about the latest one. Some are a lot more interesting than others, but this one I really like, Mitch. You want to give some of the details of this new plan? So just on this, the one that we were going to speak of originally, I want to change because a new one has just come to light in the last couple of hours today. Today is Wednesday, April 29th, so around 5 o'clock on uh, let me just bring it up here. On Wednesday, Mark Spector for uh, Sportsnet posts an article titled, What NHL Needs from Teams Bidding to Host Isolated Games. And you're like, well, it's a fairly innocuous headline. Mm-hmm. But when you scroll down, 
one or where is it here? It says, um, assuming no regular season games get played, the most popular playoff scenario is the following. So again, the most popular, the top six teams from each division meet in one city. They would open with best of three series between the number one and number two seeds to decide a divisional winner, while number three meets number six and four meets five for the right to keep playing. Okay. Under this scenario, the only current seventh place team that may feel left out is the New York Rangers. They are one point behind the sixth placed Islanders in the Metropolitan Division, but the Rangers have played two more games. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Lulls to the Rangers, props to the Islanders. What's up? Okay, so I just want to make sure that I'm getting this right. So yep. the one and the two seed play each other. Whoever advances moves on. I, yeah, I, I still kind of feel that's weird. Like, that's not fair to the number two seed at all. Yeah, if, or uh, whoever loses that. Yeah, that that's to me, that's what it is, right? Uh, I, I guess maybe the number one division winner just moves forward, and then the number two would play the winner of the three, six, four, five. Right? I guess so. Uh, it's so, it's interesting. I like it. I mean, all these are going to be a little bit funky, but if you want the sport to come back in some capacity, it has to be something like this. And honestly, it, it's so much better than nothing. So yeah, I, I'm all in on this idea. I think it'd be fun. It's a little bit different. Like, sure, it's not exactly fair to the one in the two seed. Doesn't affect the Islanders. Don't really care. And it. it it's different. It's going to be exact. It's not going to be what we're used to. So I- I'm interested. Yeah, like the if the NHL can't play the rest of the regular season, which doesn't seem likely, no. like even after this came out and all the hoopla around Twitter and everything, the NHL came out and said, "Look, we haven't decided anything. If if anything, we are progressing to what we're calling our phase two, which is allowing small groups of players or people to use facilities. That's it." And they're and that and they're they're looking for that to begin by mid to late May. That sounds about right based on what we're on pace for here in New York. Uh, and I can only speak to that because that's one where I am and two kind of where the Islanders are. So I feel like that makes the most sense. But yep, uh, it's also kind of where it's the worst in the country. So um, I feel like that has to be a big part of it too. Um, for me. As of now, that seems probably about right. But then when would games start? Mid-June? Late well, June? Well, so that that's why I bring it up, right? Like, if they're not even ready to have small groups of people meet and, and use NHL facilities to just skate, right? Uh, when are the games going to happen? Because you would imagine, e- even if everything goes well, they're still going to take a cautious approach. Unless you're the Quebec government and you're just like, guys, just go. Just go. Let we, we need to keep the economy running. God forbid the steady hand of the economy doesn't lead us in Quebec. And then they just send everyone to school right away in a Petri dish and see what happens. Anyways, that's my personal beef. Um, I, that doesn't seem like what anyone is doing. It doesn't seem like Governor Cuomo is going to do that. And it certainly doesn't seem like the NHL is going to do that either. Um, so I would imagine with, with a staggered and structured approach, you're probably, like you said, not going to see games till mid to late June. At the earliest. Yeah, I think that's best case scenario. And I I just think that they're going to take it slow. Like, even if, like, let's say everything goes according to plan and let's say somewhere around May 25th, things start to, like, open back up slowly. It's not going to be like, oh, well, we're good to go. Everyone just go back to normal. It's going to take time. And I feel like it's it's not like you're ripping a bandaid off. You're going to ease back into it. That's right. Um, and even in this article here, just beforehand, because it, it's it's got a few permutations there. The first one is that uh, the league continues to push forward with scenarios that involve regular season games. And for them, that doesn't necessarily um, equal 82. They're looking at possibilities of 78 or 76 game regular seasons. Okay. Right, where they're trying to even it out. Right, because yeah. we have games, the, the, the way the standings are now, the Islanders have played 68, where the Rangers have played 70. Yeah, you got to, if you want to complete the regular season, you got to get everyone to an even number. Exactly, because points percentage, while fair, is is um, something you take when you're in a pinch, when you're in a bind. You don't, you don't go for points percentage because you have time. Like, that doesn't make sense. 
Right. So if you, if you're dead set on completing the uh, regular season, I, I think that's how it has to be. You have to figure out a way to get everyone to the same number, whether it's like you said, 76, 78 probably isn't going to be 82, even though they are relatively close to that number, 14 games for the Islanders and, you know, around, you know, it depends on how many for- games. Yeah. Yeah, at most teams have played 70 games as far as I can see. Yeah, so between 12 and 14, somewhere in that stretch. I I guess what I wanted to ask you is, of all the plans, is this one your favorite? So far, yeah, absolutely. Not only does it, in, does it have the, the Islanders in, it has inter uh, intra-divisional play, which the Islanders have been pretty good at. Right. I think only the Rangers and the Hurricanes are the only teams in the division to have winning records against the Islanders this season. Okay, that makes sense. And one of them wouldn't be in it, right, being the Rangers. Um, it also, in this scenario, the Islanders would play the Penguins, who they are 2-0-1 against and, and have scored four goals against per game. So the Islanders match up well against the Penguins. That's true. I mean, if you want to look at it like that, that's definitely a plus for the Islanders side. One, you're probably not going to have to worry about the Rangers who you haven't matched up well against this year because Georgiev just has your number for whatever reason. Yep. And you most likely are going to get a team that you swept last year and have played you know, very well this year. So like, to, to me, advantage to the Islanders, I like this plan so far. I can see why it's popular. I think if anything going forward... Uh, if we can't get regular season play, it's going to be an intra-divisional playoff situation. It really whiz. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of right there with you, I think. Did I say whiz? At the end there? It's, sorry, just because there, there's a, an ad that keeps playing know. on my screen here, and it's don't let urine leakage take over, just constantly thrown in my face, and it's like diapers for men, I suppose. It just—it really took me back because I'd never seen that, and then it's just kind of like, what is this? How? What is happening? I don't know what I'm googling over here for them to, to decide yeah, that's a good I, ad for me, but something's was, going on in my house. I was gonna say, is this something you want to tell us, Mitch? You're right <laughs> I over guess there? maybe it's the, all of our Google devices are hearing us talk about our kids wetting the bed or something, and they're like, they need diapers, ads, 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 <laughs> and just diaper ads. Doesn't matter age groups; they're just throwing any diaper ads they could find. My Makes God, sense. that one took it. me back for a second. <laughs> That's really funny. Anything else on the NHL's latest plan of trying to get this thing going? I, at some point, we're going to hit the nail in the head when it comes to speculation. And even then, this this is while speculative, it's still based off of what I can tell is solid reporting uh, and, and sourced material. So, And it's backed up, it seems, by um, Greg Wyshynski of ESPN as well. So like, it really seems like this one is popular and it, and it could happen. But we said that again, or that was the case when it was uh, non-NHL uh, market locations, right? Like isolating them in North Dakota or something like that. Uh, and, and that fell through. So, Right. So we're going to have to see, but it's definitely, at minimum, it's exciting that we are getting these ideas floating around because that shows that they are planning on bringing the season back in some capacity. Yeah, maybe they do like the NBA and just like take over Walt Disney World. Maybe they come here to Toronto where uh, in, in Vaughn we have Wonderland's what we call it. It used to be owned by Paramount and now it's just, I think it's just Wonderland itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then so just have them all there. I don't think they have an arena, but I'm sure they can figure something out. That could be cool. Right? It's Canada. There's got to be an arena somewhere. They'll, they'll get one up. Don't worry. <laughs> Next up, uh, we're going to get into Josh Bailey being a bit of a late bloomer. Uh, Mitch, Josh Bailey. So what I wanted to do was, obviously we have a lot of free time on our hands, so I wanted to see what caused or why Josh Bailey came on like he did and how rare it actually is for someone to come on at his age, which was 27, which was his breakout year. Uh, what What's some of your, your takes or your takeaway from Bailey being a, a late bloomer? Great. I love Bailey as a player. I think he's a good player. Um, he he is he isn't an elite player. We all know that he's not a top tier player, but he's a very good player. He's a suitable top six player that works well with certain certain other members of our roster, like Anders Lee. Right. Um, 
most of us get carried away with the elite winger Josh Bailey because it's hilarious to uh, get the Josh Bailey haters all riled up whenever he like scores a goal. Um, but I like Josh Bailey. I think he's a good player. Uh, and, and to see him blossom finally into a serviceable top six player really makes me feel good. Right, because the whole start of his career was very bizarre. So he was drafted in 2008, I believe ninth overall. Yes, ninth overall. Mm -hmm. And he played in the NHL that year. In most cases, if you are picked outside of the top three, you are not playing in the NHL in in the year you were drafted. That's right. Uh, Yeah, you don't really come in unless you have a monster camp and you're just incredible. Um, But yeah, usually you don't. Although then again, the Islanders weren't very good. So I guess that makes sense. There are exceptions to the rule, but most of the time you aren't making the NHL. But he does... And he played a bunch too. He played in sixty-eight games, had twenty-five points. He was he he was okay his first year. In that second year, his age twenty season, he took a little bit of a step forward, ten point increase up to thirty-five points. But then it kind of got stagnant there. He had uh, twenty-eight, thirty-two, nineteen in the lockout shortened season, thirty-eight, forty-one, and thirty-two. So it looked like he was going to be like a. 30, 35 point player, someone who maybe on a good year hits 40 points. And it's okay. Like, it's not awful by any stretch of the imagination, but from where he was picked, it was a little bit on the disappointing side. Oh, yeah, of course. Like, you look at a ninth overall pick who had a pretty good junior career, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, he does. Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but didn't he have like a 100 point campaign the year he was drafted? Uh, hang on. Let me see if I can find it. I'm bringing it up. I'm, I won't try to offload it on you here. Josh Bailey for the Windsor Spitfires. No, 96 points okay. in his draft year, um, which was up a lot, right? Like he had 35 points the year before that. So it was, it was quite the glow up for Josh Bailey, uh, going to the Windsor Spitfires with 62 games played. Um, although he had 35 and 42, he had that in, in the year prior, sorry, he scored, I'm just trying to do some quick math here, 61 points. So like yeah. 35 point increase. Yeah. So it's still doubled, so doubled his, his production. So right there you're going, all right, well, there's cause for concern, I suppose, but he still stepped in, uh, right away and, and was f- eh, fine. And, and this is where a lot, all the Josh Bailey hate comes from because he has years where he didn't really do much, right? Like, yes, 35 points is something. It's better than nothing, but it's not what you would expect when you're taking a ninth overall pick. It really wasn't. No, I I think the 2015-16 year was especially frustrating, the 32-point year, because he just looked like, even in the playoffs a little bit, he just looked like a passenger. You know, he was just kind of taking up space. Yeah, absolutely right, and and that's that's where it gets for that's where it all comes from. Like he's not not a good player, he's a good player. He's just not you don't like him because he doesn't hit enough, which doesn't really mean anything. It, it it just doesn't. Just because someone hits a lot doesn't make them a good player. It really doesn't. No, I, I'm with you. But that next year, his age 27 season is where he really took off. He went from someone who had a career high of 41 points. He puts up 56 points that year, 13 goals, 43 assists. And if you remember that first month or so of the year, he was the best player for the Islanders. And that was with John Tavares on the roster. Yeah, he was a point per game player, right? Uh, for the first little bit. Like he earned his call to the All-Star game for a reason. Right, absolutely. And then that he has a 71 point. I think it was the next year he went to the All-Star game, the 71 right, point. Right, sorry, season. I skipped ahead. Yes. Uh, where he had, he had 18 goals, 53 assists that uh, yeah, 53 assists that year. Just absolutely monster numbers. Last year, 56 points. And then this year he had 43 in 68 games, but that he's going to hit 50. If the season continued how it was, he was hitting 50 points for the fourth year in a row. Which, yeah, that's not like amazing, but that's a solid second-line player. $6 million player in today's NHL. It really is. And he's getting paid five. Sorry. Yeah, right. Exactly. So like that that's worthwhile. It's a lot. It really is. But he's giving you something. Look, Andrew Ladd makes five and a half and he's not scoring anywhere near this. Um, there's there's a fair thing to say like, well, John Tavares helped him. Of course. Sure. Of course. 
Of course he did. Did John Tavares make Josh Bailey? Clearly not, because John Tavares hasn't been here for two years, and Josh Bailey's been absolutely fine putting up 56 points and uh, on pace for 52 this year. Right, and I think what makes this so weird is because usually the prime of a career for an NHL forward is about from age 23 to 27. So the production coming after the prime is what's so unique about Bailey. Especially because, like you mentioned before, he stepped in at age 19, right? Like This isn't a guy who, you know, sat in the AHL for a couple of years and then finally got up. No, no, this is a guy who went right from the draft into the NHL. He's been here for a while, and it really started only clicking at age 27. Do you think part of it is because he was brought over too early to begin with? I don't think. Well, I definitely think that he was brought over too early, for sure. Um, but that that still doesn't necessarily change anything. Maybe there's a confidence issue where it finally the, the confidence comes to him, where they're like, "Yes, run with Johnny." Although, to be to, with that being said, his career year in fourteen fifteen before the monster numbers, he played six hundred minutes, six hundred and thirty nine five on five minutes with John Tavares, which is the second highest in the team. The highest was with Yaroslav Halak. And like it, it drops down significantly from there. Like it goes from Tavares at six, excuse me, six thirty nine to Travis Hamonic at three sixty eight. <laughs> like yeah. the next highest. Like he spent a lot of time with John Tavares, a lot, and only put up forty one points that year. So don't tell me if the immaculate presence of John Tavares immediately turns this guy into a seventy one point player. It doesn't. There's as much to do with John Tavares as there is to do with Josh Bailey here. Yeah, I don't think this is really like a Matt Molson situation or P.A. Parento or someone like that. I think this is someone who, just for whatever reason, couldn't get it going in the early parts of his career and is an outlier. Like, I don't think there's any other way to put it than I think that's what basically the article was setting up and what I'm setting up now was that Bailey is the outlier here. I think so, right? Well, we've seen that even with Brock Nelson, right? Like, Brock Nelson didn't turn it around until last year. Right, but he was 25 or 26, right? He would have been 26, yeah. So a year earlier, but still, you know, at the end of the peak. And you're you're not expecting a guy who, you know, plateaued at like 20 goals and 45 points to turn into a a 50 to 60-point player just like that, right? And, And on his own. It's not like you put this guy next to John Tavares or John Tavares-like player and then Brock Nelson turned it on all of a sudden. No, no, this is all on his own. So I think you're right that Josh Bailey is an anomaly here. Uh, I just think there's maybe something going on with the team itself where the players they drafted were always going to be this. It's just they're finally becoming what they are because the team is using them as they should be used. Okay. Like Josh Bailey wasn't ever used as a as a top six guy consistently, right? No, he Before was always bouncing Tavares around. Tavares in fourteen fifteen, I think it was. Yeah, he is. He was bouncing around, right? And then you see him match up with Tavares for again six hundred and thirty nine five on five minutes, and he has a career high forty one points. Oh my god! And then you you see that happen again two years later, and he puts up fifty six. Oh, there's something to be said here. You put him with some consistent line mates with talent. This guy's talent shows. What are the odds? And then Brock Nelson, you put him in a center position at both ends, playing defense and offense, and the guy flourishes. Oh, my God. What are the odds? Who? I want to ask you this. Who are you more surprised turned into what they are? Was it Josh Bailey's glow up or Brock Nelson's glow up? I think Josh Bailey's. I'm I'm going to say Josh Bailey just because they had a larger sample size, right? Yeah, that's that's the thing for me is it took nine years for Bailey, and I know they were around the same age where they started to pick up. But I mean, Nelson to me always had that potential where it's like, oh, this guy could pop in thirty goals. His wrist shot's that good. He just can't figure it out for whatever reason. And I I don't know. I'm not as stunned that Nelson figured it out than I was about. Bailey figuring it out, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, the thing with Bailey is not only did it did he hit a career high at 56 points, he even hit a higher plateau at 71 points, and you're like, oh my God, where's the ceiling on this guy now? What What is the ceiling? 
of course, it seems that it's 71 points, but that's still a pretty high ceiling for a guy who was like middling at the 30 to 35 point range for nine years. Right. So I, I, I think I don't, I want to close with this. I don't understand where the hate now comes from. I, I get it. If, if this was 2015 or 2014, whatever, I, I get it. But to me, the hate is just, I'm not able to get over the fact that he wasn't what I thought he was going to be for the first seven, eight years of his career. And I'm holding that against him with my preconceived notions about the player. That's exactly right. Like, you can say that Josh Bailey wasn't a good player for nine years. That is fact. That is fact. He was an okay player for nine years. But after that, he's been a good player. You can argue whether I don't think he belongs in a top six role. I think he's just a really good third line player. Okay, cool. We can maybe then at least come to an agreement that he's a pretty darn good middle six player. At best. I would say that, yeah. I think everyone can agree on that, that he's a good middle six player. But like to just go like no he's a terrible hockey player we should trade him right away just relax like if that's your justification to trade Josh Bailey you need to chill you need to turn the computer off go outside for a second meditate for five minutes relax and then come back in because you're not making sound decisions. No, I'm with you. I had and I was one of those people. I was not a Josh Bailey fan early in his career. I was a little bit frustrated that he you know wasn't figuring it out to the point where. I thought the value was good on a ninth overall pick. A 35-point return, not that great. But I could sit here and now say five years later that he's turned into a pretty damn good player. And you know what? That That's all I want at the end of the day. Like, I would rather be proved wrong about a player than be right. Like, the perfect example is me with Michael Del Cole. I, for the love of God, I hope he goes out next year and puts up 50 points. That'd be great. I'd love it. But I just don't think that's happening. No, so this gets us then to the point with Josh Bailey being uh, an anomaly. Do you think other players could become like Josh Bailey? Can we see Michael Del Cole be Josh Bailey 2.0? What about Bo? Can Bo be Josh Bailey 2.0? See, Bo makes the most sense to me out of anyone else on this list because he's been oh, he's been okay. He's been pretty good. He, he's flashed, so I wouldn't be stunned if he turned into like a 60 point player let's say or high 50 point player I think Del Cole at this point would be really stunning but that's the thing right that's like you mentioned earlier the thing with with Bailey is how stunning it was where you didn't see it coming right like Bo we can see it happen because he's shown shown flashes like half half a season of he's a 60 point player this guy has the potential to be a 60 point player because he's shown it over at least half of a season yeah, well, the, Michael Del Cole hasn't, and Josh Bailey hasn't done that either. Yeah, to me, that's the perfect. So it's basically like Beauvillier would be like Brock Nelson figuring it out, and Del Cole would be like Bailey figuring it out that. Yeah, yes. I could agree with that one hundred percent. I just don't think that you should be betting on that to happen. Oh, I, I'm not a betting. Look, I'm not even going to put seventy five cents on Michael Del Cole futures becoming Josh Bailey. I'm not doing <laughs> it. I would not put my seventy five cents towards that because that's while the payout seems amazing. I'm not going to play the long game on a, like, what, plus 2,000 Michael Del Cole scoring 60 points in his 27-year season. I, I still wouldn't put the 75 cents on that. I'd rather keep it. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Well, to me, I would do it for the 75 cents, but that's not the, that's not the, <laughs> that's not the point that I wanted to make. It's just... Uh, Our betting algorithms are a little bit different. A little off. That's fine. Um, <laughs> I just... I'm happy that Bailey—I want to close with this, I guess. I'm happy that Bailey figured it out, and if I were to bet on someone or the next person to do that, like we had Bailey, then we had Nelson, I think Beauvillier would be that guy. Okay, fair enough. I I would put money on Bo being that guy for sure. Uh, The payout wouldn't be as great, but I would put my 75 cents to that as well. Anything else on Josh Bailey and his late bloom? Just big Josh Bailey stand right here. Just Josh, big Josh Bailey stand right here. I don't know why that was hard for me to say. I have no idea. My mouth is just not working properly the last couple of days. People on the Patreon live stream will understand that quite clearly. (laughs) That's quite all right. When we come back, we're going to get into Adam Brubaker and what his role could be in the AHL. 
What's going on? Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson hanging out with you, talking New York Islanders hockey, and they made a move this week. Well, kind of more so for the AHL, but they brought in Adam Brubaker, who is a defenseman. He played college hockey at RTI, which is, no, RIT. There you go. Which stands for Rhode Island? Rochester Rochester Institute Institute of Technology. Technology. Yeah. Uh, prestigious school, <laughs> big fan. I like you just taking a stab. Like I'm, I'm just gonna do it, guys. The darts flying. <laughs> All right, not a bad guess for Rhode Island, though. I feel. No, like. that's true. Yeah. Um, what do you, th- <laughs> what do you think he's here for? Uh, I was trying to word it in the nicest way possible. Depth defenseman in the AHL. Yeah. Like all the credit to him. I hope he does more than that. But I, I don't see anything more than that. Like he's. 28 points in 36 games, 31 points in 38 games a year prior. He was a captain for RIT. Uh, They're playing in, as we discussed in the Patreon. So again, if you have not um, subscribed yet, head over to patreon.com slash eyes on aisles, where we record two 30 minute podcasts per week, uh, as well as a mailbag podcast that we will be recording after this show. You also get two live streams. So on Sundays, I do a live NHL GM mode uh, live stream with all the patrons. I also do a live chat where we just pick a subject and we talk about that for an hour every Tuesday. Uh, so head over to eyesonisles.com slash, uh, sorry, patron.com slash eyesonisles. Sign go. up today. Uh, and, and we talked we talked about this this with Adam Brubaker the other day on the patron podcast. Like, where is he going to fit? What do we expect for him? What is he exactly? And it's just, he's a captain. Like some of the other guys they brought in last year, like Yost, Carpenter, and Grant or Grant Hutton, but that's just it. Like uh, to, to say that this guy's ceiling is NHL caliber is is overselling the guy. Yeah, I, I think, and we like we said we talked about it over there, but I think it's because how poor this team was defensively this year, and outside of Sebastian Ajo, it's really not all that pretty down there, Mitch. No, it it really isn't really that pretty going on. Um, I'm just trying to bring up the stats here. I don't know why I can't bring up the AHL's website. Maybe it's down or something. I typed in the AHL.com and didn't bring it up, but then when I click on it, there it is. Unbelievable. So they finished, they being the, the Sound Tigers, finished dead last in the Atlantic Division, uh, allowing 206 goals against, the most in the division by uh, a decent margin. The Wilkes-Barre, Scranton Penguins were next with 193 goals against. Uh, they are four five and one in their last ten, or four five zero oh, and one in their last ten. Just not a good defensive team at all whatsoever. No, I'm just scrolling through their stats. There's a lot of minus double digits in here. <laughs> they were they were also a young team, right? Like a lot of their older leadership left in, in the Bork brothers. Uh, I, I'm missing someone else. Um, but they had Giotta. a lot of veterans leave, and so they didn't have that core to hold it down, right? They had Steve Bernie, and that's about it. Matt Lerito. Yeah, I mean, you don't have the... Um, I just said his name, and I forgot it already again. Uh, I said Gianta. the Borks brothers. Gianta, there we go. There you go, that's right. Yeah, Steven Gianta's not there as well. Um, just, they didn't really have anything going for them, veteran-wise. It was a young team. Like, the big the big players on this roster, Bellows, Ajo, uh, Walsham, Koivula, Parker Wertherspoon. They're just those are young, young players. Um, they didn't have that kind of core of leadership to to bump to bump them up. As right. much as you wanted, like Bobo Carpenter, like we said, Hutton and Yost were leaders. They're also new to professional hockey. They're making their first dip in into professional hockey. Right. Uh, so they themselves, this is new to them. So it's it's kind of tough. It's going to be the same thing for Brubaker, but if he can supplement that core of that leadership core it's a worthwhile move yeah uh, that that's exactly what it is and it's just to add competition and i'm all for that at, at any level whether it's the nhl having competition or the ahl and maybe like again if we get back into the the betting thing we're not betting on this guy ever making it to the nhl but maybe he pushes Wertherspoon or um Oh my God! Brand Hutton, Brand Hutton, or uh, Van de Sample didn't play this year. He was hurt. When you, you know, maybe that lights a fire under him, and and you get something out of a former third or fourth round pick. I, I, I get the logic behind it. It's basically because he's he's a former captain. You want a leader in there, and 
you know, this is the right way to play and I'm going to show you how to do it kind of thing. Yeah, it's just going to add more leadership and experience. And yes, competition, but not a guy who's going to take an NHL role from someone. Although maybe, maybe somehow they find a gem in this guy and it's like the next Adam Pellick, right? From RTI or RIT? (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. Like, yes, the Atlantic Hockey Division is an underpowered division, as we made it very clear in the patient podcast. Um, Or as it was made very clear to me, because I don't necessarily understand NCAA hockey very well. Uh, specifically how everything is structured. It's just, it's, it's still new to me. Um, but may- maybe, you know, hopefully we can throw a dice or a dart and this guy pans out, but I-, I would not put my 75 cents on it either. No, absolutely not. But uh, yeah, that's the bit, that was basically the biggest news story of the week was that they, uh, that they signed Josh Brubaker. Yeah, well, it's getting us ready for the next the next signature that the Islanders are going to make. Ooh, okay, and that is it, going to be Ilya Sorokin. That's right. In like twenty four hours, essentially, Ilya Sorokin's contract comes to an end with CSK in Moscow, and is essentially, although still he can already sign it now. But anyways, I guess he wants to wait out the contract for whatever reason. Um, is free to sign with the New York Islanders and. By all accounts, he will. I don't know why the Islanders would take any longer. I'm sure they've had enough time to figure this thing out. Um, but, yeah, one how day. Long, how long do you think it takes for the tweet to be sent out that he signed? So tomorrow is Thursday. You'd, you'd think that he they do it at 4. Tomorrow at 4? Tomorrow at 4 is when they're going to leak information or, or, or put the official notice out that they have signed Elias Sorokin. Lou likes to do things at like 3 or 4 o'clock, or at least release them at 3 or 4 o'clock. I'm going to one-up you. Okay. I'm going a Friday. He's going to wait. He's going to have everyone sweat it out today, and then like Friday at 4, be like, oh, yeah, BTW, uh, we, we got him. <laughs> I thought about it for a second, thinking of like the slow, not the slow news day, but uh, what is it? The, there's a name for it. There's a name for, for doing that. You, you put news out that you don't want people to see, and I don't know why he wouldn't want to see it, but it's a Lou thing. You do it on, on four on a Friday because everyone's going home and not paying attention. Right, exactly. It's the end of the week. If you want to sneak something in there, that's when you drop it. Yeah, so, yeah, he could. I just, I, I feel like they want to just get it done. Just get it done and say, like, yes, he's coming. Boom, here, done. Shut up about it. I'm with you on that. A- anything else on uh, either of those two guys? Can't wait to see both of them in action. One more than the other. Sorry, say, Adam. One a little bit more than the other, and uh, that's all due respect to Elisa Roken, right? We want to see Adam Brubaker. That's true. Big Baker over here. All right, let's get into the quiz, Mitch. All right, so you have five questions to figure out who this player is, and they go from hard to easy. First question. Of course, he's played 41 games for the New York Islanders because this is episode 141. So... First question. I was born November 6th, 1978 in Walton, Massachusetts, USA. Right, M.A. is Massachusetts. I'm going to say yeah. Okay. Yeah, I okay. think so, yes. But, uh, no, keep Next question. Uh, next one. I scored 12 points for the Islanders in the 2012-2013 season. Colin McDonald? Incorrect. Good guess. He played more games than that. Okay, go ahead. The Toronto Maple Leafs put me on waivers, and the Islanders claimed me on January 17th, 2013. God, what was his name? I like that you know the player now. You know the player. Uh, This is very much in your canon of uh, like when... Yeah. Oh, my God. All right. What's the next one? I played center on a checking line before Sezikis eventually took over the role. Yep. Oh, my God. What was his name? All right, what's the last one? Clue number five. Adrian O'Quine isn't my brother. My actual brother's name is Phil, who never made the NHL. So it's a coin. First name, well, I don't, what's the first name? Keith. Keith, Keith O'Quine. O'Quine. Oh, man. Okay. I thought you'd get it at Keith. I was trying to even work in like a Toby Keith thing. Do you be like... My first name rhymes with the lot or is the same as a big dog country singer. I couldn't work it out logistically in my head to make sense because it's first name and last name. So like I just went, nah, whatever. Oh, I should have done Keith Hernandez. 
That's what I should have done. Got it. Yeah, twelve points. Okay. Yeah, that. Uh, Keith O'Coin. I forgot about Keith O'Coin. Okay. I should have done. My first name is the same as Mets legend Keith Hernandez, and then you would have been like Keith O'Coin. Yeah, I would have. It would have got to me. I think. Damn it. Oh well. Opportunity loss. Ramp rump. I I don't win just because of that. <laughs> well. Stay right there, because when we come back, we're going to get into the social segment and what's trending on Isles Twitter. What's going on? Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson with you talking New York Islanders hockey here in episode 141 of the Eyes on Isles podcast. Let's get into the social segment and what's trending online. Mitch, what do you got for us? Uh, this is from Jim Amusig, who um, is responding to a tweet at, at, hockey of fight, or, sorry, at History of Fights. Saying Islanders may police rough stuff uh, from their NHL playoff matchup in uh, April twenty third. Anyways, back back in the day, his answer to this tweet is saying today's reminder that Gary Roberts, Shane Corson, Darcy Tucker, and Ty Domi are all garbage. Oh yeah, what one hundred percent scum of the earth. <laughs> Sorry, I I just blanked on on the, the actual tweet itself because it's just a bunch of dates of a- April twenty third. 24th, 28th, 02. I, oh, I, don't, I don't know what the heck that's supposed to mean, but and the playoffs in 02. The the 02, yeah, the 02 playoffs. It, it, it makes sense. Yeah, so it's perfect. Anyways, you, what do you got? I got a few things. So first, did you see the Washington Capitals roasted one of our guys? I did see that. I did see that. So Devontae's was, uh, fell victim to the new Michael Jordan meme, Mitch. Uh, so so be, what is that from again? That's from uh, the, the docuseries the or whatever? The docuseries, yeah, The Last Dance. It's airing on ESPN. And uh, the, the one from last week was the Dennis Rodman episode. So as I'm sure you can imagine, it was a very memeable episode. And they basically, for context, they were showing him a video. Uh, I, I believe I, Isaiah Thomas was saying something, and like they wanted him to hear it. And then he was kind of like, well, that's BS. And that's like his facial reaction and so what happened was the capitals tweeted out the Devontae's infamous selly uh doing the kuznetsov and then that picture and uh you know i gotta tip my hat to them because they got me i got a chuckle out of that one that was good that's good move by that that's good twitter content it's the, yeah it's well-natured it's good and it's it's um trending right it's trendy material because using the michael jordan thing that's perfect oh, no it's 100 percent. i have no issue because the capitals fans are gonna love that and eat that up and like i said in the article D- Devontae's he, he deserved it if you're gonna talk and do stuff <laughs> like that you better be able to back it up and if you can't you're gonna have to face the music so yeah. you just sit there and take it man God, were they not able to back it up? No. That third period collapse was terrible oh my god they up five goals in the third period was it five that they five. scored in the third? Holy yeah, they were winning 4-1 after two. Oh, man. Oh, what a terrible... I remember watching it, obviously, and it was just god-awful, but I didn't remember it was five goals. Ugh. Disgusting. Disgusting. Yeah, not great. On that note, something disgusting. This is from... Sorry, Luis, I'm going to throw you under the bus. This is from NHL Division Director uh, for Fansided, Luis oh, Toronto yes. Jr., who says, uh, Serious question. How do you eat your cereal? Like, I don't think that's a question, really. Right away, I'm going, well, there should really only be one answer here. Do you put the cereal first, then milk, or milk first, then cereal? Okay. What madman puts cereal after? Okay, here's the thing. I have a ton of experience with this. No, I agree with you. Please don't tell me. Okay. No, I'm cereal first. I'm a normal person, but... (laughs) My be- like my best friend growing up, he is a milk first person, and he stands by. It. He's the same guy that I have the hot pizza versus cold pizza debate with, and every once in a while we'll get really heated about him putting the mi- the milk in first because his his answer ready for this is yeah. how am I supposed to know how much milk I'm gonna need if I don't put the milk in first? I know, I know. But moral of the story: if you put in milk first, you're a psychopath and you should be banned from. Earth, just eating into, into orbit you, into orbit you go that's it why i don't know how much to put in just pour until you see it that's it yeah. done or, or don't you don't want a lot of uh, milk don't pour a lot in yeah i no you, you that's some pre-crime crime stuff if you're putting milk in first i'm not I about also, it. like i've seen arguments well why well, pour in af- like the cereal afterwards because i don't want it to get soggy like the milk isn't gonna form like a hard surface for the cereal not to fall through. No. It still falls through. Gravity still exists when milk is in a bowl, right? But that doesn't make sense because you need this. I'm not saying soggy, but you need the cereal wet. 
Like that's whole. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. If that, just eat it dry, which is fine. I eat my cereal dry I like as dry well. Cereal. Love it dry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm with you. Wild. I, I, like there are multiple people there going like, oh yeah, I do that. High five. No, no high five to you, sir or ma'am. That is not a thing. You do not put the milk second. Or sorry, first. That is ridiculous. This is a society and we have rules here. You cannot put the milk first. We're already teetering at the edge. I didn't need to know who within my family puts the milk in first. Or sorry, second. I always screw those up. I don't need to know that. Sorry. No, you're right. I was right the first time. I'm all screwed up by this. (laughs) This is insane. Mitch, Mitch is in a box because people put their milk in first. I didn't know that was an that was a thing. Like yes. I remember watching Oprah as a kid, and she was say that people would uh, put the water after the toothpaste, and I was like, "Who in the world does that? That sounds like the dumbest thing possible." Because you're going to just spray the toothpaste right off of it. Hold the phone. I know there are people that do it because my son is like that. My son is adamant on pouring the water over the toothpaste. Like, that somehow helps. Um, I think I do... Okay, so hang on. I do both. I do water on the brush, toothpaste, one more, like a quick rinse under into the mouth. You double water? Why do you double double water? What's the point? I don't know. I I don't really think about it. I think that's what I do, though. I'm not sure. I'm going to have to make a men- Now I'm all in my head about it. I'm not going to be able to do it. When I go to brush my teeth before I go to bed tonight, I'm going to be thinking about it. <laughs> it's going to be backwards. Like, what am I doing here? Yeah. Um, yeah that's, a, that's a different one, too. That's wild. I, I, sorry, I saw this and I was like, I have to. This is crazy talk. Milk first. What are you doing? No, that that's bananas. I don't how do like you know it. how much cereal to put in then? I, I can please. We could have a whole episode dedicated to this. Insane. Insane food takes. Uh, this next one's from SB Nation, and they tweeted today, what's the worst jersey your favorite team has worn? So I pose this question to you, Mitch, hoping that you use the only correct answer here. You're not going to like it. It's the orange thirds. That was not the correct answer. <laughs> the answer you were looking for was the black, gray, orange, and blue jerseys from like 2010-11. Eh, I I hate the orange. I, I dislike the orange more. I don't even know what to say to you anymore. <laughs> I really don't. Um, Keep in mind, I also like the Brooklyn Black, so I'm already in the negative. And then I also like the Fisherman. I'm just hating. No one's going to like my jersey takes. Just don't ask me for jersey takes because apparently it's just not going to fit for anyone. No, I I was trying to bait you into saying I knew you're not going to say the fisherman, but like I'm sure people listening, maybe about half the audience probably yelled out the fisherman. But we are a pro fisherman podcast here. Uh, the the correct answer is the black, gray, orange alternates. Those things that that was that was gross. But you're going with the orange, yeah, and blue. Okay, all right. Sorry, I just didn't like them. I I like orange primary. I just didn't like how they did that orange primary. And when you you have such a vibrant primary color, it really sticks out. Okay. I get that the black and the gray, they're just like there. There's nothing to it. It was just you know flat line, if anything. But to me, that's it. It was flat line. Whereas the other one was dipping down in the negative. Okay. Anything else in the social for you? I I could bring up this last one just just because I'm seeing it now. Uh, and it's uh, from the Ice Analytics podcast, and they call Adam Pellick an elite penalty killer who should replace Johnny Boychuk going forward. And I just thought that that seems like the weirdest non-Isles fan take I've ever seen in my life. To replace him with what? What's well, just replace Adam Pellick or Johnny Boychuk? According to them, it is now okay for the Islanders to replace Johnny uh, Johnny Boychuk with Adam Pellick, as if we already haven't done that yet. What year is this? 2017? I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> Seven hours ago. Seven hours ago. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't understand. Is he not already playing more penalty uh, PK minutes than, than Johnny Boychuk? And don't count this year because he's gone for half of it. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I, I don't really have much to say to that take. That That's tough. Right? Like the first part. They had me going in the first part like, yeah, I like that. Wait, what? Yeah. Yes, you're absolutely right, but that is well understood and well, like, that is established canon at this point that Adam Pellick should replace Johnny Boychuk and anybody else you want to put ahead of him on the penalty kill. Absolutely. (laughs) It's not even a question, is it? No. Last one for me. It was someone's birthday yesterday. Do you know whose birthday it was? Oh, 
I should know this, but I don't. <clears throat> I'm mad that I don't remember. Tori turned nine months old yesterday. How could you forget? <laughs> okay, I don't feel this bad anymore. <laughs> so the Islanders vet dog in training turned nine mo- months old. And uh, today's Wednesday. So yes, Wednesday they decided to do a wallpaper Wednesday featuring Tori, and it was a big hit in the family group chat today. Really? Yeah, everyone loved it. Wow. Okay, it's fine. It's just a dog, I guess. Oh like, no, I no, love that... dogs. I I love them. I just I don't get the whole thing. Like every time you see a puppy, everyone like loses their mind. Big fan of dogs. I, I that. That's one of the few joys that I have in my life right now is the, is the dogs. I did, the highlight of my day is the dog walk. We've made that very clear over the last six weeks. That's true. Look, I, I love I love all dogs. I love puppies. It's just when I see one on a screen that isn't mine, I go like, great, it's a puppy. I just I would rather have an actual one. When when did you have a black hole replace your heart? That's what I want to know. Yesterday. <laughs> okay. Conveniently on the nine-month birthday of this dog. On the exact nine-month birthday. How just, It just fell on the agenda, just you. coincidentally. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, so before we get out of here, let's just get a couple of plugs in. So wherever you're listening to the show, please make sure to subscribe, rate, review, all that fun stuff. It really helps us out. We appreciate it a lot. Uh, also, please make sure to subscribe to the Patreon if you haven't already. We do post-game shows there. None right now, obviously, but like Mitch said earlier, a weekly mailbag show goes up. You get two additional podcasts where you get in-depth 30 minutes on one specific topic. You get two live streams, a newsletter, and a nice community of Islanders fans over there. It's definitely worth your while. You should check it out, patreon.com slash eyes on aisles. You can follow us on social media at eyes on aisles FS on Twitter. My Twitter is Matt O'Leary and why Mitch's is at TLO Mitch. Facebook, facebook.com slash eyes on aisles. You could download our app, the eyes on aisles app available for iPhone or Android. And last, but certainly not least, you could always visit the website eyes on aisles.com for all your New York Islanders needs. Mitch episode 141 in the books. Here's to another week in the queue. Yay. Let's keep it up. Let's reopen this. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning in today. Once again, I'm Matt O'Leary. He's Mitch Anderson. We'll talk to you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.